It takes more than changing your middle name to blockchain to be a great software engineer. <laughs> this is episode 89 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson, Blockchain Dance. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm oh, oh, a little notification just popped up. I just got a million dollars from changing my name to blockchain. It's that easy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Jameson Coin is going to do its ICO next week. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a podcast where we answer all of your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development, but also we sometimes do announcements. Many people have written in to ask us how they can support us financially, and we've never really had an answer for this because, you know, we just have been relying on Jameson's blockchain <laughs> revenue. So it turns out we actually would appreciate a little bit of financial support so we can pay someone to edit these episodes each week instead of having us actually just Jameson do all the work. <laughs> yeah, if if you want to support the show, we have a Patreon now. You can go to patreon.com slash softskillseng. It's the same as our Twitter handle. What, let, me, let me ask you this, Jameson. Why would someone want to support this show? Someone would want to support this show because they want it to continue to exist. Um, <laughs> Was that a we, threat? We really enjoy wow. doing it. It's not a threat. Wow. We really enjoy doing it. And a way to, to make sure it keeps happening is to give money. We'll use that money for uh, equipment, for editing, mm -hmm. for, I mean, we might do some design or logo stuff. There's definitely a use for it. Yes. Um, we don't really make money to enrich ourselves personally off of this, but we do spend a lot of time and some of our own money to, to run it. That's right. And donations from listeners would really help uh, improve the quality of things. That's right. Thanks. So if you'd consider doing that, some of you already have done it before we've even released this announcement, which is great. So thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, go ahead and head on over to patreon.com slash softskillseng. You can also find it on our website, softskills.audio and contribute what you can. Even $1 a month makes a difference. Mm-hmm. I will read the first question then. This is from a listener named Eric. Recently, I've noticed my coworkers defending technical decisions by appealing to authority of engineers who have since left the company. The discussions frequently end with something like, I can't remember why sainted engineer decided this was how we should do it, but I remember being convinced at the time. We should stick with this. I'm concerned we're allowing ourselves to be trapped in design decisions that once made sense, but no longer do with changing requirements. Problem is, I don't know how to pitch changes against a mythical figurehead who isn't there to explain <laughs> their reasoning. Have you ever encountered this, and how would you recommend tackling it? Huh. <laughs> uh, so the, the name they gave this person was Sainted Engineer, and it does kind of sound like a religion because someone <laughs> did a bunch of stuff, and now they're gone. And someone else interprets it to mean whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, the path is clear. You need to have a schism and receive your own <laughs> communication from Sainted Engineer. <laughs> and then bring that back to, to your team and say, I talked to them and this is what they said. Maybe get out of Ouija board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Huh. I mean, you could, it doesn't even have to be, you could appeal to an even higher authority than Sainted Engineer. You could go back to Dykstra, just keep going <laughs> back to longer dead programmers yes. and, and computer scientists, Dykstra and Alan Perlis and Haskell oh, Curry yeah. and Alan Turing and oh, whatever yeah. the church dude's name was. Just like, I talked to Alan Turing and he said, uh, we should use Kubernetes. So <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he presented some interesting proofs he worked on in his lifetime. And I was convinced. <laughs> the Charles Babbage computation engine was actually Kubernetes. 
Yeah. That is true. If they're not around to defend themselves, why can't you just make up memories? You're like, well, I remember hearing him say the opposite, and I was also convinced. So it looks like we're going to have to hash this out on its own merits. Yeah, or or make up how dumb they were, right? I mean, they can't defend themselves, so <laughs> talk about the time them. they broke everything. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you mean the same sainted engineer? You mean cursed down engineer? Prague? <laughs> <laughs> cursed not sainted engineer? engineer? <laughs> It's just as easy to turn a saint into like Voldemort than it is, you know, to turn them into what's another Harry Potter person that's super positive. Uh, isn't Sirius Black a good guy? I don't know. I don't know who that is. I think he was. Oh, no. Who who was the headmaster? Oh, Dumbledore. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I think you should do. I think you should have a little funeral where you celebrate the life of these people whose decisions are still haunting you and (laughs) celebrate their life and then metaphorically bury them and tell the team, look, they aren't here anymore. We need to make our own decisions because we're, we're all grownups now. (laughs) Have you seen that Taylor Swift song? Look what you made me do. No. Oh, well, never mind my joke. No, no. Tell me about it. Come on. There's the part where it's this really weird breakdown in the middle it's mm-hmm. all about her reputation and there's a part where she gets a phone call and says oh i'm sorry taylor can't come to the phone right now why because she's dead and then this like <laughs> beat drops and <laughs> and they dance very epically and perfect uh, i think that's what you should do perfect a sainted engineer this is so i have i been in a situation like this i don't think i've been in one where it's been as strong there have been times where where uh there were productive early developers who aren't there anymore who built lots of lots of stuff that we use but i never felt like it was oppressive in any way it wasn't like Mm -hmm. this developer wouldn't appreciate it if you did that it was just like they did a lot of stuff and and their fingerprints are everywhere all over the code base but it's ours now maybe you were the sainted engineer yeah maybe maybe i have been at every place i left i don't know jameson said we should use kubernetes uh It'll really manage the one node we need to serve our zero traffic (laughs) very efficiently. (laughs) How would you tackle it? One one thing you touch on is design decisions that once made sense but no longer do with changing requirements. And I think one of the hardest parts about building systems is uh, being resilient in the face of change. And I don't know if I've ever seen stuff that scales forever based on changing requirements. Mm -hmm. Not not in a production load way but in a in a code change way right, so right. new requirements come in and the system supports them easily forever right even if the people that built it originally still work there like it's, yeah. it's gonna have to change so yeah for sure i think you know the new requirements much better than sainted engineer yeah and for sure. you theoretically you could know the stuff sainted engineer did better than they do because <laughs> they're not there anymore and it's been a while and they probably forgot it all so i i don't think anyone else has the knowledge that that you have to fix it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great. And as I've seen these conversations go down, usually if I'm the one who's, you know, in this caller, this listener's position, I'll say, "Now wait a minute. So you want to do this architectural decision. You don't know why. You just remember someone else saying it was a good idea." <laughs> and yeah. usually I think that makes people feel pretty sheepish. <laughs> And, and seriously, if you can't be troubled to explain why a good idea is good, then that idea really has no place at the table until 
until a little bit more rigor has been done. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You Authority is a great source to look to for ideas, and it's not a great source to look to for decisions. So if mm. someone really smart says like, oh, NoSQL is interesting, that doesn't mean you should use NoSQL for everything. It might mean you should look into it. Yeah, But yeah. you can't just say, we're going to use NoSQL for our database because a really smart person said NoSQL is good. Many bad technology choices have been made <laughs> yeah. based on this kind of approach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's anecdotes, not evidence. And anecdotes can, I mean, in science, you always hear about anecdotes aren't data, but you can use them to give direction to research. And I think it's the same in software. Anecdotes aren't this. They don't make decisions for you, but they can give you some directions to yeah, look at. Yeah, they're like the seed for ideas. Yeah, and then you still have to... Yeah, you have to water make it. Make that seed blossom, mm-hmm. nurture it. Say kind words to it. Talk to it. If you're a millennial, it's a succulent, because <laughs> that's a thing. I actually have a succulent on my desk right now. <laughs> that's because you're a millennial. I am, yeah. P implies Q, and Q implies P. <laughs> <laughs> huh. So what would you do tactically in this situation? You're in a design discussion. You have some ideas. Someone else says, well, sainted engineer did it this way. I would say the following. I respect that engineer and they had a lot of good ideas and contributions to our team. And I respect the legacy that we're building on here. But I think that as we make decisions, we should make those decisions based on our understandings and I think this should be our the way we go forward. And if we can't remember why we're doing something, then we should reevaluate it ourselves. That's how I would say it. And then you break out into a sick dance move. <laughs> <laughs> and streamers drop from the rafters. <laughs> in a frozen pose with one finger into the air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why? Because Saint Engineer... It's dead. <laughs> I'm going to have to link you to that video. Totally. Uh, millennials will get it. They love Taylor Swift. <laughs> because we are people of taste. <laughs> I feel like making fun of millennials is such a dumb trope, but yeah. I can do it because I am a millennial. So. Oh, man. You're so lucky. You can't, though. I'll be offended if you say anything about us, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Dykstra um, hated millennials. <laughs> I was talking to him and he told me that millennials are all wrong and dumb. So uh, I guess my point is made. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is this is weird. I wonder. I mean, I wonder why this is happening. Is the team like really junior or Mm -hmm. is is the code base not well understood or like something something is causing this to happen? Yeah. Or is this sainted engineer like a thousand X developer or (laughs) because everywhere that I've worked, I feel like everyone has a little more hubris <laughs> and they all think they're right. And like everyone that disagrees, uh, they're all, I don't know. How do I put it? People are quick to believe their own ideas are good, sure, sure. <laughs> I guess. And it's weird to say like, my ideas are all bad. This person's ideas are always right. Maybe it's about preserving the status quo. So it's like, yeah, they built it using this crappy technology. None of us like it, but I don't want to change it. And they, they said there was good reasons for it. So let's leave it alone. Yeah. Or maybe it's a really specialized technology or problem space. Like maybe it's in a in a I don't know, it's like all Fox Pro, nobody knows Fox Pro. <laughs> or it's yeah. Or it's like high frequency trading stuff. Yeah, yeah. Somehow but, 
they're a high frequency trading company without experts in high frequency trading <laughs> <laughs> anymore because they left. <laughs> they all left and went to another high frequency trading firm. <laughs> yeah, they probably get poached all the time. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I would say that what's missing here that would help close this loop is rationale documentation. And I think this is really important is that you when you make an important decision like a choosing a technology or a big design, you should explain why. And that should be written in a way that people can find it later and say, oh, these were the reasons. And by the way, here's three other alternatives that were considered and here's why they were rejected. So it's like, not only do you document why you chose what you chose, but also document why you avoided what you avoided. Yeah, that sounds great. Have you seen that? Oh ever? yeah, my, my current <laughs> company does it a lot. Okay, A lot because Interesting. the culture here is that we write in order to communicate with other engineers. So in order to make a technology decision or an architecture or design decision, you will write down all your thoughts on it and pros and cons and alternatives, and that will be forever logged in the wiki. Now, it may not be the easiest thing to find later when you Yeah, you're I was trying, gonna say, how do you make sure people actually use that? Well, it's just part of the, I mean, it, it, it's baked it's into the decision-making the process. So yeah, it's absolutely baked into the culture, but um, searching, like I said, searching for it is hard in the future. You know, two years down the road, if you want to figure out why a decision was made, that might be hard to find, but. Okay, but there's kind of an expectation when you're making decisions, you'll you'll kind of look around at this documentation. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't think I've encountered that where it's like, I want to, for example, like I want to depart from a current architecture or or ditch a technology. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know that I've had that experience yet to be able to comment on how effective it is to look in the docs and see if, you know, the rationale for that technology no longer apply. Sure. That's, yeah, that's interesting documenting those decisions. I feel like a lot of them that I've seen get made in an ad hoc way. And then the mm -hmm. reason is just lost in the midst of time. Oh, for sure. That's super common. I think, especially yeah. when you're in a real high pace, high fast pace mode, like in a startup, you're trying to yeah. survive and it's like, yeah, I'm not really going to take two days and document this decision. I'm just going to yeah. build it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you've given some good advice. And I think so I too. talked about Taylor Swift a lot. <laughs> so I think we're done. <laughs> I was just, I was just about to say that I think that the lesson that you can take away here is that when you leave this company, make sure you leave a cleaner legacy that people can understand without having to resort to, well, Bob, hmm. you know, thought it should be this way. And I remember being convinced, so it must be a good idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. Try, try to come up with ways to explain, um, your reasoning so that that if if nothing else make sure that it gets into the tribal knowledge you know yeah yeah that's a good point and that means you'll have to repeat yourself a lot you know like we chose angular because x y and z yes yeah. we considered knockout but we chose this you know if you can't be troubled to write it all down in a way that people can find at least make sure people know if you ever feel like your ego is too big and you, you want to come back down to earth try and ask people <laughs> what they think you think about something. Oh. <laughs> and you'll realize no one knows. <laughs> they might oh. remember you said the word angular a lot, but they'll be like, I don't know. They just they just repeated angular over and over again. That is no such a good idea. What do you think I think about Kubernetes? That is so good. I, lo I love that. I, I love that question. I'm going to start asking people that question. Oh, cool. Just walk around on the street. <laughs> Excuse me, <You>. madame. <laughs> I think the question has been answered then. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Do you want to read the next question, Dave? Yeah, sure. This one comes from an anonymous listener who says, I recently received an offer from a small company of 10 to 15 people. 
After I accepted, they sent me their employment contract. This contract included a bunch of legal stuff about who owns what, but it seems overly broad. They talk about prior work, capital P, capital W, and quote, new work, capital N, capital W, and how basically they own everything about both. I've signed some similar documents for other companies, but at those I had equity and options. At this job, it's just a salary and this contract seems broader. My programmer's interpretation of this document is that this means I can't work on side projects and that prior work means that they also own all my stuff since before I've been employed. Not knowing all these terms when accepting their offer has kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Am I crazy for being turned off by all this? How can I bring this up with them without getting off on the wrong foot with this new employer? So important preamble to this, uh, as required by the law, Dave and I have to admit <laughs> that we are both double lawyers, <laughs> not just regular lawyers, but double lawyers. And that, that gives us the special power that anything we say becomes law. That's right. <laughs> um, so our, our advice is legally binding. That's right. And In all nations. All that. Yeah. We're actually yeah. galactic attorneys. <laughs> We're space lawyers. <laughs> uh yeah, this is a good question. And and props to you for reading that employment contract because I know a lot of people just kind of blaze through them and are like, I don't know, someone has signed it before and they're not dead, so it's probably fine. <laughs> as far as you know. <laughs> yeah, their internal organs haven't been harvested by the company for breaking an obscure <laughs> clause that they didn't read. <laughs> well, look, I, just as a lesson learned, one time I signed an employment contract without reading it carefully and there was this one thing about it said something about conceived ideas and the company actually took my firstborn child that was born <laughs> that was born while I was employed. Oh no. <laughs> it was really bad though, you know why? Why? Cuz I lost the tax credit. <laughs> Sorry, terrible joke. But, um, <laughs> that's a Hey, I'm a galactic a lawyer. Joke. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> My jokes are funny, I decree. <laughs> One interesting thing, they're kind of like terms and conditions where companies mm -hmm. have incentives to make them overly broad mm -hmm. because uh, what's in your contract is different from what's legally enforceable. Mm. And they, they might put like, we own your firstborn child and you sign it. That doesn't mean that's true in the law. So so I think sometimes they're, they're really broad to just protect the company but then that stuff might not even apply to you as a galactic lawyer i, I state all this <laughs> so i have i've worked at several small companies and two of the companies had clauses in their employment contracts that said uh a we we own all the work you do while at the company and b um you give us a license to any prior work that you do or that you've done prior oh. inventions or something like that. I haven't seen that. You can list oh, prior oh, inventions oh, right. that you want explicitly to be exempt from that agreement or something. And I actually just like crossed off with the red pen, the thing that said, own all of the work you do while at the company. And I was like, I want it to only be stuff related to work for the company. And I gave it to the, the who was it? I think it was the CEO at one of them because there wasn't an HR person. And the second one I gave it to the HR person, they're both like, okay, we'll just change it. Uh, and again, this was a small company like... Think that that stuff you might be able to just say I don't like this part and they'll take it out. Yeah, because I know you have some really amazing PHP scripts that you don't want the company to get their grubby hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
my JavaScript snippets. No. <laughs> All those <laughs> All gists. of my savings. <laughs> I mean, I mean, everything's fair game. Code pen, gist. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> All my tweets. <laughs> Your tweets. <laughs> How will my children go to college now? <laughs> uh, but the point is that small companies, that stuff can often be, you read it and because it's a contract and it's got legal terms and it's all in bold and there are weird capitalizations everywhere, it just seems intimidating and scary. Mm-hmm. But especially at small companies where you know everybody, you can just be like, this is weird. I don't like this part. And they might be like, okay. Yep. I've done that too. The the my my current employer is not a small company, and I'm pretty sure if I said I don't like this, they'd be like, "Well, it sounds like you don't like the job." Then, <laughs> I know um, they'd probably be very nice about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but I think it's less negotiable yeah, when you sure. have tens or hundreds of thousands of employees. They're like, listen, billions, we, <laughs> billions of employees. Yeah. They're like, listen, we've literally had four hundred and fifty thousand people sign this without an issue. No, we're not going to change it for you. Yeah, or or when the numbers get that high, they might have cases where like. Because they signed this, it prevented this horrible thing from happening to us. So uh, exactly, it's worth it's like it. when your scale gets large enough. Technically, you you just see weird stuff. Mm-hmm. It, a once in a billion thing happens all the time. Right, it's probably like that. Yeah, but small companies, you could just like cross it off and say, I don't like this part. Can we change it? Yeah, I would definitely do that. In fact, my previous company had a clause or two in the employment contract that sounded like that, and it made me feel a little bit uneasy, and so I just went to the CTO who was interviewing me, and I said, look, I I interpret this to mean that your company wants to own everything that I do on the side and everything. I don't think it said anything about prior work, but anyway, Mm -hmm. I wasn't comfortable with that. I said, look, I'd be happy to have the company own things that I do on company time and with company equipment, but things that I do on my own time, I want to own. And it's okay to have like a non-compete clause. Like I can't compete with my own company or start up a competitor, you know? Yeah. So that's fine too. Um, and he was like, oh, well, that's actually how I understood the contract to be. So let me take a look at it. So he took a look at it and he said, yeah, our lawyers say that's what it is, but I'm going to reword it anyway, just to make sure that it's super clear for you. So he was super amenable to it. He reworded it and I signed the revised one and it was great. Yeah. And then guess what? What? I never produced anything the company ever cared about anyway. (laughs) (laughs) There are two interesting points there. One is you said that your boss had a different idea of what the contract was than Mm -hmm. what it actually said. And I think a lot of that comes from these being kind of Mm boilerplate-y. And usually you pay a lawyer and they're not going to write one from scratch, though. They kind of have some standard stuff if they've done yeah they go to legalzoom.com and they pay $14.95 and, <laughs> and then they charge you $4,000 yes, exactly <laughs> while they sit and read a book for the several days <laughs> yeah but but they're kind of standard things that if you just say hey I need an employment contract you'll, you'll get one that is very broad like this yeah and unless you as as the person talking to the lawyer unless you say and it shouldn't have this stuff in it might just have this stuff mm-hmm. sometimes these contracts are needed for for investors to feel comfortable funding the company. Yes. At ITV, we got some funding from a DirecTV, and we had to like clean up a bunch of stuff. We had mm-hmm. to get all our stuff in order, so we had to do some code audit stuff. And we also had to... I don't think we even had employment contracts before that. Oh, wow. So they, made, they handed these contracts to everybody and made them sign them. And Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like if you get a home loan, your mortgage company wants you to have insurance on your house, right? Yeah, yeah. The investor wants to make sure that there's not some time bomb lurking that'll blow up the company because some employee thinks they own a piece of technology that the company depends yeah. on. And they're like, look, we already know there's an 85% chance your company's going to fail. We just don't want that to be 87%. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you, you can also just have a lawyer read it over too. And they would be able to, I mean, listen, we're space lawyers, but we're also very busy. So we don't have time <laughs> to read the whole thing and tell you all the legal ramifications. But they would be able to tell you more about what is legally enforceable or not, I'm sure. And they'd also be able to write you a, a, a nice alternative if you're worried mm-hmm. about just crossing it out, seems. So I actually had a coworker who did that. Um, we were at a company. We had all been there a few years, yeah, he and I and a few others. And um, a new employment contract came out and HR said we all had to sign it. Actually, it was weird. The, the contract came out and they said, we strongly encourage you to sign this, but we're not legally allowed to make you. <laughs> And huh. there was some law that basically said once you enter an employment agreement, you, I guess you can't alter the contract. I don't know. Maybe they would have had to go through some more legal hoops. Anyway, because there was this option, my coworker went and hired a lawyer to read through it. And after he consulted with the lawyer and got a full feel for all the, you know, of course, the lawyer is going to tell you all the worst case stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He comes back and he's like, I'm not signing this thing. <laughs> like, hmm. oh. Okay. Meanwhile, I had already like signed it and turned it in in the first five minutes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, wow. And, and of course, he, he this guy was kind of a doomsdayer. He was kind of a, I, I think you'd call him a prepper today. Okay. You know? Yeah. But anyway, yeah. He, he, I, I'm going to assume he had to do with operations then. You you know what? I could see why you would come to that conclusion. But no, he was a straight up software engineer with no oh, interest well, in ops at all. Maybe he's pivoted. <laughs> Doom comes all the time in operations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. So what what ended up happening? He just didn't sign it and it was fine? I, I think he didn't sign it and I think it was fine and I he left the company like a couple years later. Yeah. And then he then he left the country as well. Hmm. So because of the contract. He was like this it's actually con- a contract on his life. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is a really broad contract. <laughs> <laughs> we can kill you if we just decide to. <laughs> For any reason or no reason. <laughs> yeah. So so that would be I probably wouldn't do that it'd probably be a few hundred bucks and also Mm -hmm. just take some time to find somebody and organize it all that's valuable time that you could be spent playing dota yeah i i haven't played very much lately i've been good good for you my life is better that's great yep yeah you can do that but i feel like with this small of a company you can just talk to people and say Mm -hmm. hey i'm not comfortable with this for sure if they already made you the offer they want you to work there and this doesn't feel like a deal breaker if you're yes. making reasonable changes to it where the company still feels protected. Yes. And and that's the question here that says, how can I bring this up without uh, getting off on the wrong foot with this new employer? And I think a lot of people tiptoe way too much during the negotiation process. You forget how much this employer wants you. If they made you an offer, they probably have interviewed 10 other people They probably did a lot of work to prepare this and try to make it just right for you, especially a small company of 10 to 15 people, that they really want you. There's not 20 people waiting in line behind you to take this job in today's job market. So They could have had people that said no to their offer already. Yes. And then that that has a a weird effect on your psychology. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they they want you. So um, this, to me, is no big deal at all. But if, if you're looking for techniques you can use in the communication about this, in the conversations, I would say something like, hey, I'm really excited to work with you. I want to make it, I want to do a good job, yada, yada, yada. And then say, there, I do have some concerns about the employment contract. Can we discuss them? You know? So be sure you say, I want to work for you first. <laughs> so yeah. that they don't think, oh, he's throwing this in our face because he doesn't want to work here. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. 
You also, um, earlier you said that nothing ever came up with your contract that you looked at with, with your last company. Mm -hmm. And I think the default case for these employment contracts is nothing will happen. They're, they're, they're definitely for worst case scenarios. Mm -hmm. So even if they just put their foot down and say, no, this is standard. We have to have it this way. We don't have the legal time to change it or our investors. I don't know. Our manager won't let us change it. Like mm -hmm. they're used car dealer and you're <laughs> negotiating on the price. Um, the, I think in general, the risk of this coming back to bite you is pretty small. Of mm -hmm. course, when it does, it's a really bad story. <laughs> right, right. Like you could start <laughs> Facebook horrible. in your basement and then suddenly this company owns Facebook. Yeah, but good news, you're probably not going to start Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. <laughs> yeah, so so that's another thing to go into the risk equation is like, honestly, probably I'm not going to make the next Facebook while I work at this company. And if I do, like as long as we're on good terms, they might not even care. So um, yeah, you want to protect against the worst case, but if you are if you feel like you just won't be productive outside of work while you work there, then maybe it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Do you think we answered the question? Let me consult my space space lawyer, which is who space lawyers turn to when they need legal <laughs> advice. Uh, their tentacles waved in the affirmative manner. So, <laughs> Well, good. Yes. From one space lawyer to another, question. I would say we laid down some pretty sick galactic law today. Yeah, space case law has been clarified, I think. <laughs> case closed. Yeah. All right, where can people go if they would like to have their own questions answered? Well, if you're interested in some legally binding galactic law counsel, you can go to softskills.audio and click on Ask a Question. You can also follow us on Twitter at softskillseng. Give us a follow there. Thousands of you have done this, and we're super excited to have you all. We post new show announcements there and uh, links to our page where you can go and comment and join offline discussions. I guess they're actually online discussions. <laughs> <laughs> we also have an offline Ooh, forum. What where, a blunder. <laughs> where you can mail letters to each other. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a chain. It's like a chain letter where you just append your comment and then mail it to the next person. Uh, okay. I actually want to do that. Yeah, now. me too. Okay, let's. We'll we'll take that under consideration. Okay, got it. Anyway, hit us up softskills.audio. Ask your questions. Thank you to all the people who have asked questions. We have so many coming in. We can't get to all of them. Um, thank you. Please keep your questions brief, and we promise to get to them eventually. Yep. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>